and welcome to the HBM podcast. Um, I'm Leon, and I'm joined by Frank. Hello. <laughs> Frank, how about you introduce yourself first then? Sounds good. So I am Frank, your always online historian, academic, and writer. I know that by heart at this point. I've said it so many times. <laughs> um, but I am I'm host of The Left Page. I'm an MA student on social history, working with literature and Ursula K. Le Guin's Dispossessed. And I am a Marxist, academic, writer, many things. And uh, I'm also here now. Hello. And I'm happy to have you. Um, I'm Leon. I am from Amsterdam and I am a political scientist up to a point. Um, I'm a leftist, if you have to call it anything. Uh, progressive leftist, if that means anything to anyone. <laughs> so, and I'm also, I'm, uh, me and Frank have a shared interest. Mainly, I would say, speculative fiction. Am I correct with that? Oh, definitely. No. I mean, I suppose at some yeah. point we can get on that. On speculative fiction and, and that yes. at one point. That's a good call. Because everybody, luckily, everybody uh, agrees what speculative fiction means. <laughs> I think we, you and I both generally mean it as an umbrella term. But yeah. We, we, but like you said, we will probably get into that another time. Well, probably multiple times knowing us. But, um, oh, of course. That's besides the point. <laughs> uh, I like to think that Frank and I both have a shared interest in... Uh, well, media in general, literature, media, whatever, really, anything that could potentially be called art. Because Frank has a podcast, literary podcast, called The Left Page, uh, I think, and please feel free to correct me <laughs> if I'm wrong here, Frank, but I, uh, this idea was that we discuss anything non-literature on this podcast. Uh, Frank and I have been talking for like a long time about yeah. all kinds of stuff, so <laughs> we might as well make a podcast out of it, because, you know, why not? <laughs> Uh, of course. So that's that's kind of the conceptualization of this podcast. Uh, HBM, by the way, stands for Here Be Media. It's like some corny reference to uh, old maps where they used to say Here Be Dragons, which stood for something. Uh, it doesn't really matter. Um, <laughs> once again, I'm just happy to find a name for a podcast that hasn't already been taken. So It's a good name uh, and, and a good call as well. I didn't yeah, come up with the left page name. <laughs> <laughs> that was really? bread from Revlift, so you know. Oh, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I'm just happy that uh, we got something, and um, and yeah, it's because it's it's a reference to a map because we have this. Well, I like to have this unexplored attitude towards any kind of media. We're probably going to be leaning towards video games, so if yeah. that's not your thing. Uh, good luck finding the couple of episodes that are not about um, video games. But, you know, like I, uh, like you say, we can talk about TV or movies, whatever. Yeah. Uh, especially in companion to other stuff, because everything, every franchise now, a video game, a movie, and a TV at the same time. Ugh. I mean, eventually, I suppose we can do the other way around with old games and talk about their movie and the game tie-in, which doesn't yeah. always work. Most of the time, it doesn't. <laughs> Yes, that's indeed. Yeah, always open for suggestions. So, oh, of if course. anyone's like, "Hey, yeah, we we have really like you. we have our multiple ideas," but uh, yes. by all means, like, suggest you don't have to suggest anything. Yeah, you'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> but if there is happens to be anything, uh, feel free to uh, to let us know. Exactly. So uh, today's episode, our first episode, is going to be uh, well. Besides being first, always being <laughs> special, is special to me and Frank because. 
It's about a video game called Hades by Supergiant, released in 2020, 17 September, I believe. Huh. It was in early access before that, but I'm not quite sure how long that was a thing. But um, never really check out early access games myself, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, th- this is special because I, bl- I believe it's... Was the first game I gifted you on Steam? It was. And it was... I mean, you, you give me uh, games on Steam unprompted. No, sh- that's, 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 <laughs> nobody, nobody needs to know that. Nobody needs to know, Frank. It's fine. You can edit it out. You can edit it out. No, n- nobody needs to know your bottom page for it. <laughs> so. um, and, and, and then you just gave me 80s. And I was like, oh my god. And, and like I, I knew it was a successfully and really popular game. But it was not what I expected when I played it. it. It very much surprised me. Oh, and I'll also add this now, I suppose, that it's a good time as any, because uh, we're interested in talking about media is also on, like, the process of the creation of media and, like, you yes. know, pulling back the curtain on that and, like, you know, looking at the mechanics and, and how it's built uh, alongside, you know, the, the story and the elements and the plot and, and the visual. So, you know, we want to talk about all those things together. So mm-hmm. yeah, this this is this is really fun, and you know it, it's something that every once in a while shows up in the left page as well. But uh, I think it'll be clearer here because video games have a well, shall we say a more mechanical focus because they're video yes. games. Yeah, we will talk about uh, elements of gameplay or like you said, mechanical elements of the video game. Um, that being said, probably also a quite a dense focus on uh like you said uh, how does is media defined how is art defined yeah uh, more philosophical discussions <laughs> and theoretical discussions about the uh medium and the uh product in this case hades itself yeah exactly so it's it's not your standardized let's just review a game and say what we both like about it that's a part of it because why not if it's relevant but it, um, there's probably not going to be a standardized formula um, upon how we are going to talk about any video game or series or whatever. Yeah. It's probably going to be slightly improvised with like, <laughs> you know, I don't mind telling that we make a couple very, very loose notes. I, I'm hesitant to call them even notes, but uh, <laughs> just some things we want to say. That's all we do as preparations for this. And, and we talk, we have talked about... Uh, if if we're going to do an episode on a game, we probably talked about, or any product whatsoever, uh, we probably talked about it before already. Yeah. So it's like uh, there is there is some practice, there's some repetition uh, going on already. So that's, uh, but there's no. It's very much not standardized. It's very much. It's not your generic IGN review, which is fine if you like that, but that's already out there. Yeah, and I. I don't want to speak for Frank, but uh, feel free to step in <laughs> at any time, Frank. But I personally feel that there is and there are enough uh, YouTube channels, podcasts, whatever have you, that engage with anything really, any media product, yeah. being video games or otherwise, on a very service level, which is fine if that's what you're looking for. Mm-hmm. God bless you, and you know, uh, nothing wrong with that whatsoever. Um, it's just. There's, there are legions of them. Um, so uh, we feel like it might not be the worst of ideas to engage 
at a risk of being maybe slightly pretentious here and there, but <laughs> it's not a bad thing to engage or at least attempt to engage with these uh, products a little bit uh, deeper and more in a more robust uh, philosophical, dare I say, intellectual way. I'm sorry, that always sounds <laughs> arrogant or like pompous, but that's not how I in, uh, want to sound or intend to yeah. come across, but it's... Uh, don't know how if you have a better idea how to call it let us know um i'm open for suggestions <laughs> but yeah um we uh we both had a, have a shared interest we started off talking um we started talking about paradox interactive games but then oh, yeah. these quickly took that place and we were so uh captivated both at the same time by hades and uh, had such similar opinions, and I would like to say that it's not the only ball that kept. Uh, that it's not the only ball that started rolling, but I think it's uh, one of the first that led this to this podcast. Maybe, yeah. If you if you're allowed to see, uh, <laughs> if you're allowed to see singular uh, actions as a process, but it's um, yeah. It's like one of those key points, uh, like uh, the paradox and, you know, politics in general and Hades have been yeah. uh, sort of essential in like, a, <laughs> I don't know, us building a friendship as well. So, uh, yeah. which has led to here. I mean, I'm, yes. as I, I, I never shut up about being a historian because I really like it. Um, but I, I constantly look at processes and it's like, what led to here? So it's like, it's this, 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 this. And I look at these very small things and I do this in terms of relationships and certain connections. And I've done this on the left page endlessly on like, well, at least on a couple of occasions of like how the left page came to be and how I got to my research now. And it's all, how do I build that narrative? So, you know, this is, uh, Hades is an essential part of the narrative between me and Leon. And, you know, here be media yes. now. It's a very pronounced one, indeed. It's <laughs> uh, also because, you know, uh, despite me, being uh, studying or having studied political science and economy, but that's not really relevant. We'll find a way, a place where it will be. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sure. Uh, the, the last thing I want to do is talk about economics on on, on the podcast. <laughs> that draws a certain audience that I'm not necessarily keen on interacting Fair. with. I mean, we we need to to you know butter them up first. Eventually, we'll get to that. Yeah, sure, sure. Let's uh, let's just front load this entire podcast with a parasocial relationship. Let's just, you know, let's let's immediately manipulate the audience. Now, that's um, just oh, this reverse psychology. Well. Like, yeah, no, just re apply reverse psychology. Like, uh, but yeah, no, Hades uh, interacts with a bunch of our interests. I would say both mythology and history. Yeah, and how do we talk about because mythology. Whether you like it or not, is up to a point part of history. Yeah, um, it it certainly interacts with history, and inter history interacts with it. If I'm, if we're allowed to be dramatic, it's um, it's for me as a, as someone who is interested in political science. It's you know, mythology is all over the place by with certain with certain political theories and ideologies. So, oh yeah, uh, I think it's important to keep interacting with these mythologies yet lest they be used against us in any way shape or form yeah it's um you know it's still relevant knowledge i would say uh not the most important of course but uh no i agree with that i think it makes sense yeah no it's i will definitely talk about how do you interact with mythology and <laughs> which is 
vaguely, it's like a more simplified version of how do you interact with history. Yeah. You will talk about how to interact with history a lot throughout this podcast, <laughs> probably. Uh, which, because it's always relevant, you know. It's, um, it's Well, rather, it's never not relevant. <laughs> or it's never irrelevant. But with mythology, it, it's popular as, as can be nowadays. Uh, I think yeah. within the Western Hemisphere, the Greek and Norse mythology are still very popular things to discuss and learn about, at least in a very preliminary service level kind of way. Yeah, There's the rise of neo-paganism, I feel, in the Western Hemisphere as well, as people who take it a couple steps further mm-hmm. and interact with it on a spiritual matter. Yeah. All power to you if you do. wish I knew more people that were like that so I could invite them onto the podcast and mm. or at least ask them a couple questions about it. Sadly, I'm not one of them. But uh, mm. yeah, and anything but religious fundamentalism. So it's mm-hmm. uh, anything better than that, I suppose. But it's um, I always found Greek mythology or any kind of mythology very interesting. Yeah, I started off with <laughs> Egyptian mythology at uh, at elementary school because uh, I don't know why. Um, mm. I saw a PowerPoint on it <laughs> and I thought, huh, they look cool. That guy has a bird head. And um, he does. <laughs> he do. He do have a bird head, and it's um, and it kind of kind of went from there, and that's how I also got started in uh, learning about history, and uh, which was classical era mm-hmm. mostly. Uh, mostly started learning about Greek uh, history and stuff like that, and uh, were allowed to do my own little presentation on it in high elementary school. Wow! And I bored the shit out of my fellow students with it because <laughs> nobody cared. It's only I cared about about uh, classical Greek era at, at that point. Once again, it was elementary school, so there were there were very little. Uh, <laughs> there wasn't much of a crowd, much of an audience for that kind of stuff at that time. But um, yeah, and so many years later, and I'm still learning new stuff about Greek mythology, learn some new stuff, preparing for this podcast even. Um, so that being said, uh, before anyone goes any further, uh, I don't intend to get in depth about any specific myths whatsoever. Mm-hmm. However, these are Greek myths. And, well, if you know anything about Greek myths, they, um, well, they address certain, how to say this, they address certain topics, certain activities take place in Greek myths that might be uh, problematic for people to listen to. Yeah. Um, once again, I'm not going to talk about them in great detail. That's absolutely not the goal of this episode. Mm-hmm. It's just... Uh, going to make one reference as far as i can think about about the persephone hades myth mm-hmm. if you're familiar with that if if it's difficult for you to listen about it or to think for whatever reason about certain problematic behavior that's prevalent within greek myth then maybe not listen to this episode um once again it's not going to be bad we're not going to talk about it in great detail but just just as a friendly precaution uh, I like to be honest about that. So, content warning yeah. for <laughs> general Greek myth stuff. Uh, sorry, that's a bit fake, but you know, I don't know exactly what we're going to talk about. Be yeah. talking about, but um, where would, would you like to begin regarding Hades, Frank? I mean, I, I think I'll just. I mean, I think it, pretty much all the people listening will likely know Hades, but yes. Also, spoilers, I guess. Yeah, both the character, the game, and the myth. But I'll I'll give um, 
a very brief summary of like the game and kind of what happens and, and like mechanically how it works, if, if you don't mind. Sure, please. <laughs> so Hades is the story of Hades' uh, only son, Zagreus, in effectively rebelling and trying to escape the underworld. And in it, he is aided by, you know, his fellow uh, uncles and aunts uh, in Olympus as, you know, he tries to escape the inescapable underworld. And in it, in that process, he starts to discover a bit more about him, uh, who his mother actually was, and effectively that, you know, uh, the truth is quite hidden. And there's, uh, you know, as as he starts to understand and, uh, you know, I'm not going to say figure out, but uh, shall we say confront directly the very abusive relationship with his father, Hades. So you play as Zagreus as he repeatedly attempts to escape the underworld and, you know, it's, uh, it's a roguelite. So you repeat the, the escape attempt and on that process you accumulate certain resources which you use to upgrade your character, upgrade certain elements in the world, give you, for example, a fountain chamber, which can randomly appear and restore all your health, and so on and so on, until you eventually escape. And when you do, the story continues. Then it's almost like a new sense of the game, as you effectively escape, and you truly find your mother, who, well, I mean, it's not really a spoiler if you know the story, but anyway, it's a Persephone, (laughs) who was hiding on Earth, from both Olympians, the other Olympians, and Hades, uh, known only by, if I'm not mistaken, the god Hermes and Nyx, which uh, is like the goddess or sim- symbol or, or is knight personified. Complicated stuff, but yes. anyway. <laughs> and you run into your mother, but you can only stay a few minutes. You, you can't stay for long because the underworld calls. You're, you're born of the underworld, so you can't leave for long and at all. So you continue to escape and the relationship with Hades, we'll get on into that and the specificities and what happens after that first escape. But it, it continues just as turbulent, if not worse. And you need to escape a couple of different times and you uh, update your mother on everything that's happening and, and all the things that are going on. And eventually you convince her to return to the underworld in the sort of family reunion and, you know, a, a process of, Confronta- direct confrontation no longer violently with hate between you, Hades, and Persephone. And effectively, well, what? Less antagonistic, I would say. But... Yeah, definitely. Like, it's, uh, well, yeah, it's probably violent still in a way, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but no longer as, uh, as at odds as before. Trying more, uh, well, slightly conciliatory or attempts at that, if, you know, baby steps. Yeah. Or attempts on, uh, Good attempts on Zacharias' part, less so on Papa Hades' part. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, but we didn't pick the title of the game, so I'm sorry if it's confusing if we talk about Hades the game, or <laughs> Hades the god, the father of the sad protagonist. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> Good call. Good luck, listener. Uh, it's uh, uh, fun. It's um, Yeah, no, uh, Zacharias is a very interesting choice. Um, if I'm allowed to... like. Uh, like you, you did a great job with talking about the game itself. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple of things that automatically came to mind is that Zacharias is a great choice as a protagonist. Yeah. Mainly because it's such a... Uh, it, obscure doesn't even begin to cover it. It's it's an oblique character almost <laughs> throughout 
like non-finished or like damaged play type of oblique. Yeah. It's like uh, we only found ha- tablets of, of a play that are damaged and are not fully recovered. And there are a couple of lines references to Hades' son, Zacrius. So we don't know much about Zacrius. What we uh, know, I think, I'm sorry, it's been a while. My apologies. Should have refreshed right before the podcast, but um, okay. he was supposed to be this proto Dionysus. They both like wine, uh, <laughs> apparently, and uh, and in other times he is killed by titans as uh, as an act of revenge on Hades or something. Hmm. So, uh, at other moments, he get his heart ripped out and present to Zeus. Ah. So, looking forward to the sequel. No, um, <laughs> oh, it's uh, <laughs> hey, who knows? Um, Zeus does like to rip and tear. He um, does. It's it's mm, okay. Anyway. It's um, it's it's interesting because there because of the lack of information about Zacrius because of his well he's not defined so you're free to mess around with it yeah. up, to to a degree that we see fit mainly because because of this we don't feel any estrangement from Greek myth we don't feel like we still feel some elements of what we in a contemporary sense would link to Greek mythology. Yeah. This is going to be a theme we're going to, <laughs> I'm probably going to talk about a couple of th- uh, of things regarding our contemporary visions. Oh yeah. regarding uh <laughs> regarding mythology and um well, once I will I'll just let the episode speak for itself. So but apologies if that gets uh <laughs> if that gets a bit tedious, but that's quite a thing that I think both uh, me and Frank both walk into or come across a lot in, well, not day to day, maybe, but now and then. Yeah. And uh, it, it once again it ties into how do we talk about history? How do we talk about history and mythology in media? Yeah. So just giving it simple for now, uh, Zachary is great choice as protagonist. Hades, great choice as protagonist, mainly because uh, Hades is. Uh, <laughs> Funnily enough, way more popular now than he was back in the day. Um, the, the, uh, Hades is not that popular. There are not that many uh, myths and stories where Hades is a central figure. Yeah, I believe like the biggest part he has is in um, this Homeric hymn to Demeter, where he has nine consecutive lines, which is like the most he ever speaks. Wow. In the, once again, not a classical professor, so please take everything I say with <laughs> cartridge of salt. So it's like you know, don't <laughs> please don't take it for gospel. Is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> but uh, if you know better, let us know because I'm always interested in that. Oh yeah. But you know, it's 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 interesting because I'm not quite sure where this love from Hades comes from. If I'm allowed to speculate for cut two seconds, mm-hmm. it might be because of. <laughs> Our contemporary politics, because we're always political, no matter hey. how much you hate, might hate that um, <laughs> or love it. It's uh, our contemporary uh, moral, philosophical ideas uh, clash, there <laughs> uh, I say, at least a little bit with uh, Zeus and Zeus's actions. We don't like Zeus. Uh, Zeus is, well, once again, uh, we don't need to get into the uh, myths about Zeus. Either you know him or you don't know him. Uh, you can you can look them up yourself if you want to get into that. I necessarily don't necessarily feel like talking about him. Just know he isn't a great person yeah. and has issues. Yeah. Um, who doesn't in Greek mythology, you might say? 
uh, fair, fair point, but Zeus is not for naught the king of the Olympians. And uh, and also harbors the only uh, weapon of mass destruction yeah. in its time, which is lightning. It's, uh, which I found, I, I read in like a, a mytholo- mythological journal as a Zeus mastering the only weapon of mass destruction. And I thought, oh, that's a clever way of putting it, I guess. <laughs> um, which, you know, eliminates the, the useless debates of, oh, who's stronger or whatever, because that's not how that's not how mythology was talked about back in the day, as far as we are aware. Yeah, uh, it's because uh, you know the one that's on top of the uh, on top of the pyramid, or in this case, the Olympian Mountain, is the one that's you know in charge for a reason. Yeah, but um, it's not important or anything. <laughs> but I, because we dislike Zeus uh, nowadays, maybe we want to therefore redeem Hades, which is once again speculative. It's maybe. Well, we you can see it in like uh, productions like uh, Lore Olympus. Uh, I've been told I don't I'm not familiar with Lore Olympus, yeah. but uh, I believe Hades plays a role there. Uh, well, Percy Jackson. Uh, maybe you would like to talk about a bit about that. Yeah, it, it's uh, been a I long time. I've never read those books. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm sorry, <laughs> but you don't have to at all. I I just never have read those books. I've heard about it. Well, it will be relevant once again in how do we talk about mythology and how do we make mythology digestible in the contemporary sense. Yeah. And uh, I've been told that Percy Jackson, for instance, has is uh, is very acceptable in that regard. Yeah, um, or it's very valid. Oh yeah, I, I mean we'll we'll get onto that and how both how Hades does it a bit, how the Percy Jackson series does it, because it's somewhat similar, if for very different medias and in very different yes. ways and audiences, really. But oh, how could I forget Hades Town? Sorry. <laughs> oh yeah, good call. <laughs> but I think. That, um, I mean, it's the sense, at least from what I recall from Percy Jackson, it's been many years since I've read it or read any of the books, really. And he's a more neutral figure. He's not objectively evil or objectively great. He's more ambiguous or more uncertain and, and it gets effectively, I think, better. And like uh, in, in Laura Olympus, he's effectively like a good guy uh, and uh, improving. Yeah. Um, I, I read the first season, I think. I don't think I read uh, much more. It's I, I like it. There are issues, but I, I like it. it. It's still kind of strange. Anyway, <laughs> we, there's no need to get onto that. And I think in this case, in this case, there's, there's no there's no real sympathy to Hades and, and for good reason. But generally, Hades strikes me as, and I think it, it's both a se- in terms of that speculation, as both like this underdog figure in a way. It's like, you know, he... He got the yes, short end yes. of the stick in terms of like you know the heavens, the sea, the 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 underworld, the, underworld. the realm of the dead yeah. is like oh he he's usually excluded and he's seen as excluded and I mean it's like I think it's uh, it's exactly as you put it he's not popular in, in ancient myths and it's like in in the most obvious way that like he's not even an antagonist really he's rarely there. And in that, yeah. as you know, the caretaker of the underworld, that sounds like a very fascinating role, uh, <laughs> at least to our very. contemporary looks, eyes, ears, something. And, you know, it, it's, it, it draws a lot on that sense of like, you know, thinking about death, thinking about mortality, that morbid perception, not negatively speaking, but also that and, and engaging with those ideas. And, you know, what is yes. the realm of the dead? What isn't it? And you know, playing with it a lot. This is what this game does as well. Like it, it imagines this realm of the dead, 
and yes i uh i don't know i don't think it's it'd be easy to get a definitive answer but it's trying to play a bit on like this character which was by myths mostly neglected or, or shown up in a few moments it's like okay yeah how how do we engage with this how do we engage with the underworld itself as you know uh, a more obvious sense of uh you know a, a place for observation and analysis like okay what is after life so i think from that you also leaped into like okay what about the caretaker of this place what about hades himself so i think there are multiple plays on that i'm sorry fun. no go ahead <laughs> Uh, I'm just happy they didn't Lucifer him or like make him the devil, which oh, yeah. is um, which is which has happened because it's like, well, everything, uh, especially within Western Hemisphere, we uh, because of dominance Christian uh, Christian mythology, Christian theology. Not quite sure which word to use here, mm -hmm. but uh, without because we view a lot of things from a Christian perspective. Uh, oh. I, I want to say a lot about that, but never mind. Uh, let's just try and focus here. <laughs> it's uh, probably going to be a recurring theme as well. But oh, it's, yeah. Um, it's, uh, due to the cultural hegemony, hegemony of the uh, Christian perspective on any kind of religion for what the, uh, whatsoever, <laughs> it's, uh, I'm happy that they didn't, like, uh, uh, what's, what's his name, John Milton's uh, Paradise Lost Hades, <laughs> uh, just like swap him in and out or something. Like yeah. we can feel, uh, like you said, you you uh, you were laying, uh, you did identify what I was trying to say with the underdog uh, dynamic yeah. with Hades. There are a couple of modern day depictions of Hades in which he's like this loyal lieutenant in the uh, type, Titomachy, Titomachy, the the War of the Titans and yeah. Olympians. That's one <laughs> where he's like, oh, uh, he he's loyal to Zeus, and Zeus kind of, uh, you know, uh, is is a bit of an ass and gives him the underworld, and you know, like you said, Poseidon gets the idyllic ocean, uh, Zeus gets a head honcho position at the <laughs> at the top of Mount Olympus, and uh, Hades gets the <laughs> horrendously administrative burden of the underworld yeah. and is it gets four domains uh, or four uh, yeah four domains essentially yes and um yeah, well three and a half maybe i don't know well, but it's um well i guess we'll have to think about how we understand tartarus but anyway yeah it's 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 not uh, always very well defined and um that being said there's this line in the video game with uh with hades and persephone who uh, talk about we have to kick, take care of the mortals forever, and the Olympians have it easy. Who with all the Olympians, they only have to take care of mortals for the, as long as they live, and uh, we, you know, we are locked away with them like, well, until the end of time. Yeah, and um, which which does it does it's not necessarily sympathetic towards Hades. The game Hades is not necessarily <laughs> sympathetic towards Hades, but uh, nevertheless. It does indicate a burden on Papa Hades, with you know, like I was like I was saying, with oh, he does have to uh, execute this intense administrative uh, function, uh, even architectural functioning alongside Daedalus, <laughs> yeah, uh, which is mentioned as well. And another thing that I want to agree with very thoroughly is that yes, Hades does show up in a lot of myths but once again uh, which is what i was trying to get to with um with the nine lines part that i was saying like mm -hmm. th that's like the longest he talked 
in uh, that won him, and that's not you know there's not much else to him. Uh, there are a bunch of uh, myth myths that center around the uh, Catabysis, I believe it's called, which is a descent into the underworld. Yes, and uh, so Hades does surprisingly show up in those, but except for the Persephone one, does not <laughs> he does not play a main role in it. Which is as good as any point uh, to address that elephant in the room. Um, in no version of this myth does Persephone girl boss her way into the underground. Yeah. Sorry to use that language, but I don't really want to like linger on it as <laughs> much as I want as uh, for too long. But oh boy, um, in every single version of that myth we with our contemporary view would not think positively or should not think positively about hades yeah i mean it's also known as the kidnapping of persephone yeah uh and the kidnapping is like the least of it once yeah. again i'm not going to get into it uh, if you want to you can look it up it's so hmm two things that i want to get into real quick mm-hmm. uh there are uh what the first thing is that there are then stories where Persephone does embrace her rulership of the underworlds, uh, her queenship, if you will, um, from what I've heard. But this is not a uh, there's not there's not a large plethora of work here uh, regarding her queenship. Yeah. It's it's mostly you know that. But there are versions in which she embraces her new role. Yeah. So uh, she got that going for her. Uh, other than that, ah, I, I've struggled with, with it a little bit regarding the nature of this myth. And can you retell that myth without, up to a point, and for lack of a better word, it's not the best word, but I, I'm blanking on a better one at the moment. But are you not insulting, you know, people who have been subjected to that kind of behavior, kidnapping or otherwise? By uh, by giving it out or retelling that story in a certain way, and I personally land on the uh, on the conclusion that yes, you can if it's fictional. Yeah. Once again, Hades is not real; <laughs> it didn't happen. <laughs> actually, happened. Yeah. Uh, sorry to disappoint anyone, but it's uh, it didn't happen, and it's also mythology. Sidebar: mythology is meant to be retold, reshaped throughout time to fit certain ideas because that's even though there might not be uh, the text about mythology might not be imbued with a certain meaning it is however the case that you should or it is accessible to retelling and to explain certain things that are more relevant to your contemporary situation exactly that being said there is modern reception regarding this idea uh, no matter if it's Persephone or uh, another popular one, the story of Medusa and yeah. Athenae, uh, sorry, uh, Pallas Athena turning Medusa into a Gorgon. And there's a modern retelling of that, that Athena did that so she wouldn't be bothered by men anymore. So she had the tools to defend herself against the advances of men. And even though this is a really nice story and I think it's really cool and there's no nothing wrong with retelling it, mm-hmm. There's no way the ancient Greeks had that in uh, as an idea, uh, or there was any 
possible interpretation at the time yeah, I think of that story in such a way. Yeah, if if I can make a bit attempt at a separation there, I think that on the one hand you have like what is the retelling and like trying to tell this story in a different way, and on the other hand, what is like you know the there are possible ways to to engage and understand the myths as mythologies and you know as historical mythologies, um, or always. And and yet, like it, it's important to understand the difference. Like, okay, this retelling can do that, but that's not always going to be acceptable. To in terms yes. of like, was this like a possible way that or possible reason for this myth? No, absolutely not. And a lot of them wouldn't. And I mean, if I think perhaps when when talking about this, the, the story of Papa Hades, yes, maybe none of it would be acceptable in terms of the original myth. Or the original myths, or, or the people who who told them uh, in first or originally or whatever, but that mm-hmm. it doesn't really matter because that's not what we're trying to say. We're not trying to say yes. that, and and I think that's the important distinction. We're not trying to say that's like, oh, this is what the myths did, or this is what the myths are saying. No, it's like this is what we're saying from those myths. It's a different type of conclusion, one that tries to justify or replace or reestablish or reposition. Rather, that's the word I was looking for reposition those myths and another which is like oh taking that and thinking it anew and i think that's the distinction like it's it's fine to create a story as like oh where athena isn't a horrible person and uh, transforms medusa and i mean i suppose we could take uh, arachne into that point just you know out of yes. vanity and pride um but it's uh, it's unlikely that that was at all uh, a valid way or a possible way of in- engaging with the original myths so to speak so I think it, that's a great effort. I, I like the idea of these reimaginings and they can be done well or poorly and that varies a lot. But it's it's important to make that difference of like what it is. It's like, oh, trying to tell a different story from that rather than trying to say it's like, oh, this is what they said. No, that's and that's horribly anachronistic from the start. Like we, we can't do that uh, by telling a new story, saying that that's what they told the story. Come on. Definitely. <laughs> So, um, like your modern reception is fine and valid if you get strength from it in any way, shape, or form, yeah. or enjoyment, or whatever. All power to you, truly. It's just don't cast your modern reception back into the time in which it was created because Precisely. even classic professors are not entirely sure and can only, like, you know, uh, construct certain visions uh, at the best of their abilities yeah. about what certain things meant and uh, whatnot. And, um, well, I'm. I think this once again, this game does a great job at its. Um, the struggle that I had, like I explained earlier, is circumvented mainly because it is clearly mythology. You know, yeah, it's very recognizably uh, Greek mythology. Uh, they did a great job at that, mixing contemporary reinterpretation of said mythology with still uh, canonically. Uh, they give a good canonical vibe to it, for lack of a better word. Um, I don't feel estranged uh, from this from this product, which is fine if you just want to take the bare outlining of Greek mythology and make something new or whatever out of it. Yeah, all power to you. I think it speaks to uh, this game's credits or this product's credits uh, that I still feel like I'm interacting with those myths that I used to love back in the day and still appreciate up to a point. It's bringing those stories and like changing and adapting them. But, and I think that's kind of key about this, 
it keeps a certain sense of distance, of estrangement. I was like, no, this, this is a contemporary way of thinking about some of these stories or thinking new stories. But still, we're, we're still in the mythological world. It, it never yes. turns into like, oh, what a modern or contemporary reinvention of those myths. It's still, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's, it sits in a weird place between a retelling and reimagining because it kind of does both. And, and I think, it, thinking about a difference, like, because Percy Jackson doesn't try to do much retelling. It tries to do a sort of contemporary continuation and different imagination of it. But this game, because it, it's, it doesn't bring these characters to a modern time. No, it's apparently we're still in ancient times. And these are the myths and these are the characters. And they changed, sure, but it's still... Uh, there's a, still a distance. There's still an estrangement there, and I think that is important in the sense of like these are, these are these people, these characters, these gods. They're not like us. They can be similar sometimes, but they're not like us. And these stories can be quite distant. And I say this in a good way because it doesn't try to, it tries to close some of that distance, but not all of it. And mm-hmm. uh, because I think if you try to close all of it, it, it becomes something that is not very, it's not the best word, but it doesn't feel very genuine. It starts to feel like, oh, but you're just using this, you're using this all as kind of scenery to try and tell a contemporary thing and just like with some modern clothing and not actually trying to engage with the ideas that came from these myths. So it's it's a complicated discourse and i am trying to remember some of the aspects of it but they're not, they're not coming to mind i'm sorry if i remember i'll bring them back but in the sense of like it's not trying to you know this is not window dressing this is not just appearances yeah. it's like uh, uh, an internal engagement with it that sort of tries to it doesn't try to make everything contemporary and all modern and all of now no it, it keeps a distance and I think Definitely. that is so great about this game. And I think that's good about a Percy Jackson as well, as it keeps that, because I think that a lot of the horrible things that the Olympians did, they really did them, or, or and continue to be pretty horrible throughout the story a lot of the time. So, you know, it's not... Uh, they're not very... They're not quite redeemable, not quite great. So it's a, it's a complicated relationship all the same. And... In Hades, I think, and we can eventually move to this point, but I think one way that the game does this estrangement is with the language. And I, I, I know I, I like to think about language because I like to think about fiction, but the, the fact that they, they speak in a slightly archaic way and they have very specific expressions like cursing or something or complaining, it's like blood and darkness, yes. which is both very cool and not something anyone else said. So... <laughs> Or something that people say. So it's like, oh, they, they, yeah. they're not like us. This creates a sort of distance. And not only this, but it's a, an obvious example. And like to give, uh, and it's like a counterexample of that being done poorly. And like a fairly dis- decent movie, I thought, uh, which was the Pixar movie, I think, Raya and the Last Dragon. Oh, oh yeah. I've witnessed a lot of discourse about that movie. I haven't watched it, but... Oof. I've heard uh, people talk about it to great extent. I, I can't imagine. My, my point is very minor because I've I'm, I'm, I've watched this movie like a couple of weeks ago and it's like, 
long after the movie came out and that kind of thing. So I, I missed most of the discourse, but I can imagine. Um, but my point is is much simpler on that. And so this one point we have these characters in Snow uh, sort of separate uh, alternative history, sort of, you know, kind of, I don't know, medieval times. I, I don't know. don't want to be particularly specific because it's not very specific and not very clear. And I think that's kind of the point. But... Uh, at one point, one of the characters, and, and uh, she's a child, she says, oh, I'm such a nerd about this dragon stuff. And I was like, oh, you have to use nerd. Really? <laughs> it's like, that put me off so much. And I think it's like that, oh, yeah. it's like, you're, wh- why? Why? Why that specific word with so many specific contemporary meanings? And in a contemporary sense, it feels one anachronistic even for a fictional piece but also it's like oh this this feels close in a way that i don't think it should be and i mean i i counterpose that with blood and darkness which like is really cool but it keeps a distance so uh that's that's kind of my point of how language can work to both create a a good estrangement and a bad estrangement yeah no definitely um to tie into that i think and uh in a non language way there are uh, elements of mythology that work on different that are interwoven on different levels of the game yes i think i really like for instance so the idea of wanting to find your parent that is abusive towards you um (laughs) that is you know we can still get into that even though we can't uh of course we can't imagine using uh mystical powers to toss back and forth at each other and then killing one another and then reincarnating and that, with pretty and much like no that. consequence yeah with no consequence whatsoever uh, but we we do get like the uh the spirit of it yeah that's uh that's interwoven within this conflict with defying your father or your parents that you're not very happy with and um but to name a couple other examples well one that we that is was very popular was uh, the romantic interest of Zakia is called Megara. Yes. And one of the theories. And she, uh, sorry if you're not above 18, um, but she clearly plays with this idea of BDSM with like the sexual uh, prowess of like having her whip uh, in display every every uh, in every shot that we see her, and she talks in Zacchaeus. She talks to Zacchaeus in in this certain way that is at the very least slightly reminiscent of um, well, you know, you know <laughs> like a kind of kink based relationship. Which I will say, uh, the Furies did have whips. Yeah, uh, they were made of snakes, but but whips nonetheless. Uh, so good job, <laughs> uh, super giant. Um, <laughs> you uh, and and what I said earlier about the Katabasis, uh about the descent into the other worlds, it is still true to Greek myth. Uh, Greek myth, because this is an abyss, a descent from the underworld back up. Usually, an abyss is a defined by a Katabasis preceding the Anabasis, as in you go down and back up again. And this is the case, you just go up and then you're teleported back down and you go up again. So if there's just the Anabasis, which is original and in a way, yeah. you know... Uh, Someone finally escaped. Exactly what you're... Yeah, well, it's exactly what you were trying to say. It's this reimagination, recontextualization of this struggle that is so famous within Greek mythology. Yeah. So it is not the same, yet at the same time it does fit to a very decent degree within this Greek mythological canon. 
I mean, as the game itself puts it, like, you escape, but there is no escape. So you don't escape. Yeah. But you do escape. And to get, like, into the pretentious stuff, like, <laughs> do you think that's something the game believes in? Or is that... Oh, I mean... Because... Uh, sorry, go on. I mean, if, if I, I'm not going to take it literally, but I think in a way that's, like, <laughs> Zagreus can't escape, not entirely... I mean, in, in the game, it's literally, but not entirely the relationship from his father, nor the relationship of where he comes from as the underworld. So, you know, even if... And, and I think in terms of, like, you know, real and, and historical, like, we can escape certain abusive situations and, you know, keep and create a certain yeah. distance, and we should, of course, but <laughs> um, that leaves certain scars, uh, both memories of, of psychology and, and emotional ones. But uh, there's... There is some, there can be some escape, and I think that is true. But historically, and that's how I'm gonna look at it, uh, there really is no escape because that that's still kind of a part of you, even as much as you change it and make it different and create a distance with it, and that's all really great. But it's still a part of you, and that's not a problem. Um, there is no escape, and that is kind of okay um, because we can't truly escape from. Or that we are, unless you know, it's unless we you know lose our memory, and I think that that is the only possible escape uh, to not have lived those, or to not really feel as if we lived those experiences or those situations. Even then, that's fraught with peril, I would say. Oh, of course. Anyway, and you you'll return to the situation that you were in, and you know that situation will still be there, regarding your (laughs) quality of your memories. So you know, uh, but I get what you mean. It's it's. and that's what I mean with like, does this game believe in you having to face at least to a certain degree what your relationship with your parent is, and uh, should you engage in an attempt to uh, unify you, your mom, and your dad in a way not necessarily as Zachary's does, bringing them back together physically, or in a union of uh, a relationship union or what have you, but rather up to a degree that we can all talk about it and we mm-hmm. can all understand each other. And, you know, uh, does it believe in that? Because I'm not going to lie the way I thought the game was going to go at first. So credit to the game for <laughs> not making me recognize the pattern, uh, which is something, uh, if I'm allowed to pat myself on the back really quickly, <laughs> uh, is something that I'm decent at, at the very least. I'm not necessarily happy with it because it ruins a lot of uh, shows or uh, video games or whatever because <laughs> I recognize where it's going to go. Oh, yeah. And then everybody's like, how do you know it's going to go there? And I was like, I have ADHD, leave me alone. <laughs> and um, it kind of goes like that. So um, other than that, I'm happy that it defied me because I was I was thinking that Zachary is going to reach Persephone and he's going to live there and that's going to be the end of the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, little did I know... <laughs> <laughs> the game doesn't end um, quite anytime soon, which I did expect from a roguelike. Yeah. Um, a godlike roguelike, if you will. Hey. It's, uh, I believe they even use that in the uh, as a slogan for the game. Nice. But um, other than that, I am very hesitant to say what this game believes in. Like, like I said, when I asked Frank, that I mean, mainly mean it in a speculative way. Uh, because I think it's interesting to think about uh, yeah. what the game might, might or might not believe in. And given the amount of detail and design philosophy that is sub- that this game is a product of, 
I don't think it is pretentious or illogical to think about what a game might believe in. Yeah. A game like this might believe in. Um, which, well, before we get deeper into that, let's let's do the customary thing that needs to be said about the game. Um, it is the way it looks is peerless. Oh yeah, it is so astoundingly beautiful. I'm good at this game. Why? Because it uses color <laughs> in a way that a lot of games don't. Uh, it uses sound and color both, which once again primes my ADHD to pay attention to it. <laughs> So I'm actually good at this game, which is such a nice uh, little, uh, how do you say this, uh, change pace. of pace for me. <laughs> yes, it's, uh, so that was, that was really nice. So kudos to uh, the design team that made this game, uh, since we're both leftists, we need to say this as well. Hey. Uh, this is a game that is made without crunch. Yeah. So what does, for the, for people who are not very familiar with video games, uh, if you're still listening, thank you so much. Uh, um, but if you're not familiar with crunch, um, uh, this is a thing that is a phenomenon, if you will, within uh, gaming industry, where essentially towards uh, the final, well, the final release of the game, like a couple of days before that, months before that even, uh, gaming companies are essentially kind of socially acceptable, uh, accepted to abuse their uh, workers. Yep. As in, they uh, they execute a tremendous amount of pressure on the worker, um, making them stay uh, ungodly, <laughs> godly, ungodly amount of hours uh, to work on the game. It has been known or has been documented that certain game, uh, game employees work uh, so long that they even sleep at their office or at the office in general which is just uh, that's that's something you would expect from a sweatshop Um, not necessarily from uh, a game studio that praises itself on like oh look at us we make uh, games about wholesome uh, adventures or uh, look at us we are like a industry leading game industry like yeah yeah this is because you abuse your employees yep. um super giant game managed as far as i'm aware um to make this game without any crunch so <laughs> bravo for doing what every company should be doing uh but let's let's not be mean-spirited about it i mean uh, like I'll, I'll i'll give a brief parenthesis here because this is topical although this will date the recording which is fine. It happens all the time. That's fine. <laughs> uh, because, you know, there's a lot of discussion on GTA 6. It's like, because apparently it won't be, it'll oh. be made without crunch. It's like, oh, can it still be a good game? Obviously, yes. I don't believe you. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't believe yeah. them. But also, yes, of course yeah. it can be. What are you talking about? A game can be good without abusing its employees. What the hell are you talking? If, if the game cannot be made without imp- abusing your employees then should it then the game should not be made exactly it's that simple yeah uh <laughs> i don't know why that's a why that's a hot take or anything um, <sighs> but never mind that don't want to spend a lot of time no, cl- on this closing topic, the parentheses feel, it's just because it was topical yeah, yeah uh so yeah sorry for that sidebar but <laughs> i feel that something uh well i think it's important to also talk a little bit about the realistic elements of the production of yes. said products Yes. Since only, well, uh, there's a lot of documentation on Sad Crunch, but 
for some reason, there is not a lot done about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, insert wider uh, economic political rant here. <laughs> we'll probably do that somewhere throughout the journey of this podcast. But probably not when we talk already. about Disco Elysium. Oh, 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 yeah. Well, I, I want to talk about so many things about the game, but never mind. I mean, that, um, that's going to be like a two or three parter, even. That's I, I, I can. Don't tempt me. We will see. We will see. That's <laughs> uh, that's if if I can do that. Right, oh, I sorry. I clicked something on my keyboard. If I can do Disco Elysium right, then that that would uh, that would solidify me <laughs> in in so many ways that I cannot gonna go into detail about but um yeah so uh the gameplay elements and the the narrative as well at the same time are so spectacular to me mainly that there's this talk about the gameplay loop as (laughs) a element within uh video games namely that every video game up to a point has a repetition and this game was like, how about yes? Uh, the, the game is the rep- repetition, as in your analysis, your descent from uh, the underworld is the gameplay loop. When you die, you're transported back into your palace and you start again. But this might sound familiar to some people who are familiar with the FromSoft series <laughs> about dying and trying again. However, this, un- unlike the FromSoft series, uh, have a integration with narrative momentum. What I'm trying to say with that yeah. is that the game never feels boring because of this. Despite some people may- maybe being more interested in the gameplay elements, the combat elements of the game, I think a wide majority of players are very interested in the game because of the story it tells. Yeah. The story is, if you will, the um, agalma of this game. The thing that makes it worth it. The thing that sets it, for me, sets it apart and uh, generated my desire towards the game. <laughs> and uh, because there are so many games that give a interesting uh, gameplay challenge. Once again, looking at FromSoft games, uh, <laughs> by far, very uh, the most gameplay challenging, interesting gameplay challenge providing game series or production house uh, yeah. that is out there at the moment for me. Um, that being said, the way the gameplay loop is integrated with this narrative momentum is something that makes this game peerless, I think, within its own category. I agree. It is so good. It, <laughs> I, uh, I, I've thought about it quite some while, and I still lack the words to precisely discern why that is the case. But, I mean, um, like it's uh, it's a slightly inverse sense because it plays into the fact that there is repetition and that you return to the House of Hades, which where you begin, uh, a lot. And when that happens, the characters that you're familiar with, uh, both Hades and you know Nyx, who's also there. You also have Achilles, who was your teacher. You have uh, Medusa, who works there. And Medusa, not Medusa. Eh? Love Medusa. Love well, we can accept. We can accept that it's Medusa, right? Because it is just a head. It, it's called Dusa as well. So, um, yeah, it, but it, but she got her head cut off, right, by Perseus or yeah, I think Thesius. so. Always, I, I think she I always made... mix up Perseus and Theseus. I'm so sorry. No, it's it's. I think it's okay, regardless. <laughs> um, but uh, 
Yeah, so you run into these characters again and again, and you run into Megara there, and although you also fight her in a boss fight, which is kind of interesting, and and there's another character, the, the literal personification of death, which is Thanatos, and so you, whenever you die, oh, and Hypnos, of course, uh, got to sleep, and so. Truly, what is what happens is you die, you go back, you run into these characters, and you learn more about them, the house, the underworld. So, in terms of narrative and story, dying advances the narrative. And every couple of yes. attempts, you get a little cutscene, um, which is Hades saying something about a specific topic. I think I don't I don't remember any specific one, but it's like if there's an escape, when he's like. There is no escape, boy. Is something, 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 and so you're you're always the narrative is always advancing, and in that way, yes. you're. I think that's the distinction. Death is not a failure in this game. Death is progression more than in other roguelites as well, because ultimately it's it takes quite seriously the fact that it's about a journey and it's about Zagreus's journey, both getting stronger enough to beat Hades and escape uh, but also to escape again and reach Persephone again but also to survive the underworld and it, it is about how it's a, it's a really complicated game about relationships and the relationships uh, Zagreus has not just with Papa Hades but also with Nyx, with Achilles uh, with the other Olympians themselves although those, those are very interesting relationships and how they don't communicate and i mean this literally um <laughs> yeah they, they uh if I'm, if I'm not mistaken the olympians can't hear zagreus but zagreus can hear them so it's strange but fascinating well he does give them like nectar and stuff so there's there is mutual oh yeah true communication but but it's very brief and very succinct um yes and they can't see him he, he there's a moment where they can talk but they they lack perspective on Zacharias because they don't understand why he keeps going back. Because every time, uh, after a while, they respond to it and say, "Hey, didn't you make it to the surface? I thought you made it to the surface." Yeah. And and so there's this there's this lack of vision on Zacharias, hidden by the powers of the underworld, I assume, and, and so on. Uh, but it's uh, it's interesting because they can communicate, but yeah, only for brief intersections. Yeah, and, and in limited capacity. Yeah, they're not able to observe Zagreus. It's a bit of a Schrodinger Zagreus, if you will. Yeah, so. uh, to, to Zagreus and <laughs> the underworld's benefit. Yeah, uh, definitely. That plot thickens quite a bit um, th towards the end. Yeah. I will clearly wanted to say, uh, mm -hmm. like, I think uh, Nyx, for me personally, Nyx is one of my favorites. <laughs> also a great choice to put in there, because there's not a lot said about Nyx. Yeah. To very quickly uh, recant, uh, retell this, uh, the essence of like one of the myths that uh, Nyx uh, is only mentioned in, but still somehow takes a center stage, is where Hypno sneaks into uh, Olympus and turns all the gods to sleep and so forth. And when Zeus wakes up and uh, discovers uh, that they were all uh, tricked to sleep or whatever, he is very mad and like, oh, who did this? And... And of course, it is revealed that it was Hypnos. And Zeus is like, yeah, that, let's not mess with Hypnos because he's the son of, son of Nyx. So that's the only time <laughs> Zeus did not uh, enact vengeance wow. directly 
or like is is mad at, and that's saying something because Zeus is a fucking imbecile. Yeah, it's he is <laughs> he's very and because once again, uh, he is like the strongest there is, and and so forth, uh, or at least the one with the most direct power and able to wield that direct power in physical strength, maybe Hercules or once again, that's a, that's not a discussion that's very relevant. <laughs> uh, they are say a bit childish, fun maybe I don't know, but uh, not something I'm going to get into at the moment, but. It's uh, it's interesting to pick Nyx because Nyx is the only one that can therefore just openly work with Hades and get messages to Olympus at the same time. Because if even Zeus is afraid of Nyx, <laughs> or at the very least is hesitant to to act against her, then she can just you know uh, as a ruler of her own domain. Uh, because night is in some versions described as a domain itself, mm-hmm. just like uh, Poseidon's domain or the underworld or Olympus. Night, darkness is a domain that she rules. That it's very interesting to also see chaos make an appearance. Yeah, they're great. Um, gonna go through a couple of things that I really like appearing into the uh, <laughs> Hades story. Sorry, uh, but I think that's so. Uh, but I think it's it's interesting because of these interesting appearances yes. of more interesting uh, figures and gods and so forth. Uh, chaos is very it's like endlessly interesting. Main, they also refer to them as they, which I thought was a cool touch. Yep. a sense of queer friendliness <laughs> in a game that is nice. There's a sense of Zacharias being polyamorous, so definitely yeah. bisexual or pansexual. But uh, there's like a sense that Megara, Thanatos, and Zacharias kind of have this core, so to speak. Um, Zacharias, Thanatos, well, once again, it is Greek myth, so uh, content warning. But Zacharias uh, and Thanatos kind of being step brothers, being a bit weird, but okay, fine. I guess uh, Shrug, uh, well, very prevalent towards Greek myth. Um, well, I mean, relationships. Thanatos is son of, well, hmm. Mm. Right? I'm sorry to raise this point, but no, that's a that's, good that point. kind of weirded me out. Uh, so. th- we can talk about this later because it's about the lineage uh, and it's weird. But uh, yeah, no, sorry. No, no, it's, it's, uh, sorry to insert this into you <laughs> and the listeners, but it's um, it's something that I sa- sadly couldn't totally ignore, which is all, which is too bad because I like Thanatos, despite Thanatos not liking me. That's fine. It's fine. <laughs> Even though I win. All our little interactions, Stanatos still doesn't like me. Uh, made a lot more progress in my playthrough, at least, with Magera. Uh, kind of redeemed that relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, other than that, uh, love Sisyphus. Yeah. Uh, Sisyphus, who has this uh, character-esque similarity. Not character, but like struggle, a similar struggle to Zacharias. Both have are embracing a sense of futility uh, with their respective struggles. Uh, uh, Sisyphus, obviously, rolling his, his little boulder. Uh, and through, Sisyphus uh, is quite Tartarus. happy. Yes. <laughs> we don't even have to imagine him as such. No. We can just, you know... See him. <laughs> Sp- speak to him. <laughs> yeah. We, yeah. Uh, Sisyphus is the most wholesome, maybe together with Dusa, it's the most wholesome character yeah. in the game. And Baldi. Can't forget about Baldi. Yes. It's, uh, uh, maybe uh, Eurydice. 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 Yeah. Uh, the lover of Orpheus. Also love her. Uh, 
who doesn't want to be a tree human. Other than that, uh, oh, just the greatness of this game, by the way, it's like you said with the, narr- with the narrative and dialogue embodying the progression of the game. Yeah. It, the dialogue is influenced by your actions as well. For instance, if you finally beat Hades on your 20th try, there are different uh, dialogue options than if you beat him on your 5th try. And so even so, the game elevates even <laughs> uh, even here. The game elevates itself beyond others by having a very complex, interesting, progressive dialogue system. Yeah. So the progression, the narrative momentum stays high, stays interesting. Not necessarily high, but it stays at a pace that is satisfying, at least to me. And despite not having the choice to say what you want to say yourself, it's not an RPG but it does respond to the, uh, your actions or your accomplishments, which is, once again, from a roguelike, which is a genre which is mainly focused towards combat uh, combat or gameplay interaction, uh, is a very nice breath of fresh air. And I once again, well, I think it's a peerless roguelike uh, <laughs> within its own category. Yeah, it's it's so. Once I don't have played a lot of roguelikes, so sorry. Uh, maybe I don't have the authority to deal with it. Uh, I liked Enter the Gungeon. It's a fine game. Doesn't compares nothing to this game though. Oh, definitely so, not. Uh, but and the understanding of how Nyx functions and all the other characters functions. They understand Greek mythology so well. Yeah, Zacharias, like I said earlier, I believe I said it earlier, like Zacharias being this proto Dionysus in um, certain older versions. Uh, of Zacharias in myth, uh, mythological canon, being this uh, earlier version of Dionysus. Uh, there's this throwaway line between Zacharias and Dionysus in this game about that, I believe. Yeah, he, he, uh, lies, I haven't to, gotten it. he lies to Orpheus about being like son of Dionysus or something. Um, oh, yeah. So, like, I, I, I didn't know about that uh, possibility of, of uh, Zacharias, but I was like, oh, of course, that's why they say that. It's like, oh, that he's mm. like Dionysus and like that's like so they they're aware of that like that's and to get on the this is not very specific but the way that it's played I think it's excellent that Hades Papa Hades is both like um, god of the underworld and god of death if not death itself but he's also like god of wealth and riches so uh, and that's yeah. clear here because he's. He has immense wealth and, and just in terms of like gemstones and the decoration of the house and the underworld itself and like gold uh, trimming and, and gold decorations and gold everything and a lot of lot of wealth and exuberant uh, luxury, uh, so to speak. Yes. And that is played with a lot because like, uh, gems are a currency as well, but they're used for like general yes. renovations and kind of stuff. So the, the character of Papa Hades in the both uh, negative and, and slightly positive ways, is very... It, it, I think it's... You put it perfectly on that, like, Supergiant truly understood these characters in these myths and the roles they play, uh, from Hades to Zagreus to Artemis and Zeus as well. Definitely. I believe Zagreus plays... Is, there's more about Zagreus in Ophiric myth, mm. but I'm not familiar with that, so I'm sorry, I cannot really shine a light on that, but as far as I'm aware, Zarkis is still a very oblique character. Mm-hmm. Uh, interesting that you said about like uh, Hades being an economic deity as well. I believe the same goes up to a point for Poseidon, 
and uh, which is reflected in Poseidon's boons. Because oh, yeah. a lot of the boons of Poseidon are game more gold, gems, uh, darkness, whatsoever, uh, more currencies. Uh, if you pick some of Poseidon's boons, I believe. So it's uh, yeah, I... which is why Poseidon and, and Athena once uh, tried to be the head deity of the city Athens. <laughs> surprise, surprise! Who won that battle? Uh, <laughs> other than that, you know, the clue is hidden within the title. It's a bit of a spoiler there, but other than that. Uh, I believe it's it's a general trait um, of all the the three brothers mm-hmm. Zeus, Hades, and Poseidon. They all have economic and ruler esque deity. They can be venerated for those mm-hmm. type of domains. I believe makes sense. It's uh, yeah, it, up to a point. Zeus more ruler than uh, economic. I yeah, believe. but other than that, more like raw power. Yeah, uh, definitely. And, and the children of Zeus all being war deities. Uh, yeah. Athen, uh, Athena being a war deity and Pallas Athena being a ruler deity, I believe, if I'm saying that correctly. Mm-hmm. I'm not quite sure. But it's, uh, it's the only one that uh, gets into the shoes of her father, despite <laughs> despite having a lot of offspring. Uh, a concerning amount of offspring, actually, Zeus. But that's neither here nor there. Yeah. Um, I mean... Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> not, not much to add to that. It's uh, find the uh, reimagination really, really tying itself into the popular, uh, popular reimagination of Achilles and Patroclus. Yes. Uh, with the song of Achilles being maybe a book we can do on the left page if you wanted to do it. Sure. Um, if you haven't already done it, you haven't. Read no, it no, I'm not, you're not, really, not even read it yet. <laughs> Okay, it's 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 fine, but it's it's I I think it's fine. Regar- um, once again, it's a good understanding of set Greek myths as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, personally, not a huge fan of imagining Achilles and Patroclus as overly sensitive and caring individuals because they were brutal warlords. Yes, but it's fine. <laughs> um, if you like that, all power to you. I'm not criticizing that in the slightest. Personally, I would have loved some non heterosexual romance from not overly tender men uh, yeah. because i feel that's that's already uh a trope there's at already this a point. lot of romances like that yeah you know it, it's just Patroclus was a proper warlord in his own right uh, he doesn't need to be uh you know a, a very i don't I'm not quite sure which words i want to use but uh he seems a bit aimless, and phys- his physical prowess mm-hmm. is not often spoken about, and he becomes a healer in the book, I believe. And when that's not... I was like, well, he, he was, once again, a very efficient warlord in his own right, yeah. so not quite sure why you went that route. I mean, but. that's why they were close. Thank you, precisely. <laughs> hey. it's, um, well, anyway, it's, uh, <laughs> that's interesting. Nevertheless, I'm fine with this reinterpretation yeah, I mean, of Achilles and Patroclus. And, and like it, it works as well in the game Hades because you know it's after they die and that and it becomes interesting and that is a variation in terms of the myths and even the Homeric uh hymns, myths, uh, stories, uh, yes. poems, poems, right. <laughs> I got it right eventually. Uh where you know Achilles is all about dying uh, gloriously in war and battle and all that, recklessly so. And, uh, you know, then in the Odyssey, where he shows up as, and it's kind of remorseful, weirdly so. So it's, uh, it's, it's interesting to see, like, and it's more, I think it's close in that regard, how Achilles and Patroclus behave in 
this game because, you know, they're dead. <laughs> yeah, um, Achilles becomes this mentor figure to Zacharias in this game. Yeah. Which is a very stark contrast to... I'm so sorry. I've been it's, it's been ages since I read the Iliad, but <laughs> I remember him being quite uh, brutal and forceful towards Hector, uh, Prince of Troy, uh, with like saying like, "Oh, I am going to gouge your eyes out, so yeah. everybody in Underworld knows that you're the imbecile that thought he could kill Achilles." And I was like, "Jesus Christ!" <laughs> and then like contrast hard cut to to uh, Achilles uh, uh, saying like murmuring comforting supportive words to Zacchaeus like oh you're so you're so impressive and wow you're good with the spear wow you you might have almost surpassed me mm-hmm. and that's just great I think because <laughs> uh, there wouldn't be a lot of room for that kind of Achilles so within the narrative that's being told here I'm totally fine with this change yeah, and we it's, can ex- it's just it took sorry it wasn't what I expected no it's fine sorry go on no sorry me and, and like we can't accept that like you know being dead has changed them in a way, in a very deep way. So, you know, that's that's a more acceptable change or process for change yeah. like that. Death will do that to you, <laughs> I've been told. I've been told. It's, it's, uh, eternity does give you a certain kind of perspective on things, I would imagine. Yeah. So, especially because he's already recognized by Hades and has this lofty court position, if you will. Like, uh, you know, <laughs> the, the master at arms at, at Hades' court. So that's uh... which is largely a symbolic position, which is better than any real position in the court of Hades, which mostly amounts to uh, yes. bu- bureaucratic work. Which is, a, as, as you put it earlier to me when we were chatting, very Kafkaesque. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> Other that or security work or uh, uh, poor Daedalus that uh, that leaves his hammers around, which is one of my favorite upgrades in the entire game. It's uh, obviously because it's 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 ridiculously good. Yeah. Uh, other than that, uh, so one thing I forgot I want to say real quickly. The attention to detail is so immaculate. Yeah. With uh, The thing about Chaos that I want to say is mm-hmm. if you use your reroll dice, once again in the game you can choose which port you go through and the port will tell you in advance what you're going to encounter once you go through it. And you can use a reroll dice to change the gifts you receive at the end of that encounter. So you can stand in front of one of those gates and say, no, I don't want this reward. I want the other one. And uh, if you do that in the realm of chaos, chaos comments on that. It <laughs> says, is this more to your liking? <laughs> so just to show how powerful an all-being chaos is, because chaos is not subjected to rules of space and time. So chaos knows what you're doing, which I thought was so cool. Uh, it's just Once again, it's just a little knot, a little thing. and But if you nail the big set pieces, the main the main arteries of the game, and you then also nail the smaller details like that, yeah. That's then you really have a great product, I think, or a great video game, whatever, however you want to call it, piece of media, I mean, piece of art. I think it's the great attention, and that always draws my attention. I always like that kind of thing. But how administratively the underworld works in all the different ways, it's so fascinating to me. I really like that. You go into an office space to look at your stats and it's like basically like a, there's a huge archive there and it's so much of like like when you when you enter uh, the house of Hades and, and you basically you wake up in a pool of blood uh, you you talk to Hades and like what and some of the other characters and you notice if the forms a line 
to receive like judgment or something from Hades or like a petition. And it's like denied or okay, accepted. And it's like, it's this endless bureaucratic work, which uh, makes perfect sense when you start to think about, you know, how much work it would take to run the underworld as like a thing. And it's that how that effectively functions is so interesting to me. And they, they work to build that. And even you mentioned Hades' conversation with Persephone earlier. And I think that it, that is also a part of like, not just how the world works, how this little thing functions and operates and your role in it and what role you take in it, you take in it at the end of the game as well. Definitely. Uh, the only letdown regarding the end of the game <laughs> is that I'm not entirely satisfied with Hades' relationship with Zacharias. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I don't envy the task of rejuvenating, uh, writing a script that would rejuvenate that relationship because uh, it's kind of messed up and uh, as we touched upon throughout this episode. And uh, at the same time, I don't... So in, in credit of this game, I don't know what I would want or how, <laughs> in, not in a literal direct sense. At the same time, I, because of my personal relationship with my biological father, I find the confrontation with Hades uh, <laughs> at the very least awkward at times with Hades even literally quote for quote saying things that my father has said to me. Uh, my favorite one is about like the Titans saying like, oh, you think I'm a hard dad? L- imagine having the Titans for a dad. It's like <laughs> something my father has literally said about my grandpa and so forth. Oh. Um, so that's, that's it. it's whatever. It's uh, no, no big deal anymore at this point in my life. It's fine. Uh, this And this game did help. In, in slight ways, but nevertheless did help a little bit recontextualize certain things and realizing that it is apparently such a phenomenon, fathers being disappoint- being disappointing to such a degree that they put it in a video game knowing it would strike a core at at least some of the player base. Yeah. So that helps. Other than that, uh, it's funny because <laughs> my stepfather, which I deem my, you know, my actual father, loves Hades and I got like so much uh, Greek mythology from him <laughs> and he loved talking about it and which really jump-started once again that, that interest that I had as a young boy in Greek classical era mythology and history and uh, he, he loves Hades and like talked to me about like well when you think about it uh, despite Hades not showing up a lot a lot more reasonable than Zeus uh, and you know from a young age planting that idea in my head <laughs> and uh, so you know it was really funny to have such a thorough re-exploration of my uh, paternal relationships and and so forth so yeah, I'm not going to go into de- detail about that I will probably complain <laughs> enough about my parental relationships throughout the series throughout the podcast but um, sorry in advance but it's uh, but that, that was great um, seeing a bunch of things that I recognized at least to some degree and thus making this uh, this journey very cathartic in some ways or at least allowing me to also recontextualize the relationship the parental relationship at, as what lies beyond. It, 80s is not the end point. It is not even Persephone. It is getting to the point in which you are happy yeah. and you can function and you are valued and so forth. And it goes to that point up uh, in a way that makes Hades, like uh, Papa Hades, 
his lackluster parenthood not as effective as it once was. Because he has Megara, he has Thanatos, he has his mother now, uh, Cerberus, and let's not forget Cerberus, uh, <laughs> and all the other great people that he has worked on having a relationship with. I thought the interaction with Nyx was beautiful. Like, I know I'm not your mother, but I still see you as a child, or at least someone who's very dear to me. And I thought that was great. Yeah. Um, so, you know, uh, Zacharias gets to a point at which he's clearly happy with himself and is allowed to move beyond whatever struggle his dad thinks he has with him. Uh, his his dad coming, uh, Papa Hades coming as close as accepting Zacharias as part of uh, the underworld society by giving him his warden function at the end of the game. <laughs> like, oh, you're allowed to escape as if Hades can stop Zacharias. But anyway, <laughs> it's it's uh, like, oh yeah, you're doing security work. <laughs> you're now a security consultant, son. <laughs> which is great nepotism, really. Um, I have to acknowledge that Zacharias is royalty and we as leftists cannot support royalty, yeah. so fuck Zacharias. No, no. Uh, in all seriousness, <laughs> it's, um, you know, so there's this embracing of Papa Hades towards Zacharias as um, despite it being very concerningly strength-based and power-based relationship because Hades only comes to this realization after Zacharias dispatches him back into the underworld. Multiple times. The most positive yes, the most most positive Papa Hades gets is saying something along the lines of oh you are so strong now oh I went all out you still beat me and there's only strength related comments which is concerning um, but the game clearly does not lay a focus on that it lays the focus on relationships yeah. for every comment that is made about Zacharias' strength there are 10 relationship comments made yeah. and still painting Zacharias as a very fallible character or it's very not necessarily fallible but well <laughs> ironically human character for lack of a better word <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know how else to say it, but a very, you know, not perfect character, um, which once again makes him interesting. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that's that's kind of the closing thoughts I have on Hades. <laughs> I don't know if there's anything you want to say or. Uh, I, I guess I'll just add uh, on that point uh, about the ending and the the possibility of maybe a relationship that isn't as bad. Um, I think it works for me in the sense that it's very, very tentative. It, it's not necessarily... It looks kind of promising, but you need to really, you know, be optimistic about it because it's, it's at the very least, the, a slight acceptance of the need that, you know, they physically and literally can't get separated from each other because um, they're both confined to the underworld. And... And yet, I, I I just want to mention on that point of the of the violence and the aggression between them, that yet that is sort of what uh, Hades is forced to admit, uh, that like he isn't as strong as Agrius, and that he is defeated multiple times, and then again, and then some, but it it never shifts really. Like he may be defeated, but like that's not that is not what sort of leads to any kind of change between them. It sort of kicks them off, but the game doesn't value and the game doesn't um, uh, dwell on that point, really. That, that, that is what is necessary, that is what's positive. No, what, what is positive is the other ways, like that, you know, they're, they're in the house together and like, how do they interact then? 
or how do they interact uh, or what even what the fight begins to mean less you know like murderous desire towards one another and maybe a sort of like aggressive sparring match uh, which is a, a, a positive change if a slight one but ultimately I think that it's not and I think it's important in that sense that like Hades even defeated does not cede his position or his power in any way. It's like, oh no, you're stronger than me, son. You're 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 good. You're you're in charge. Something like that. That kind of thing. It's not like violence or or power in that sense. It is what changes things or is what should change things. Uh, quite the opposite. Uh, power and, and violence in that sense is what serves and leaves things continue to run that way. And you know, it it takes Persephone to start actually kind of maybe moving Hades to do something else. Um, yes, Circeus is able to set the agenda and then Hades switches. The change that Hades makes is that he responds to Circeus setting the agenda. Setting the agenda as in he goes to talk with Persephone and then Hades has to react to that. Instead of Hades deciding what's happening, with Hades deciding you're not going to see anyone, you're going to go back to the underworld and so forth. So that, which is like the promise of confrontation with problematic relationships, mm-hmm. you might not fix the problematic relationship, but you do get to move beyond it and set your own agenda. You get to decide what you want to do, who you want to be, despite what those who who are less favorable towards you uh, might think. Yeah. And Hades' coping mechanism is clearly like something along the lines of, oh, you have beaten me, but because of Hades' narcissism or egoism or whatever, he doesn't see it as such because he sees Zacharias as an extension of himself. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think, at least. This is speculative, once again, not quite sure. But Hades sees that, you know, Zacharias, who is alive because he's imbued with the power of the underworld, um, is able to surpass Hades, Papa Hades, because he is Hades up to an extent. So it's not that confrontational for Hades because. Of course, Hades can beat Hades because Hades thinks, Papa Hades thinks he puts Zacharias in such a position that uh, he can now defeat Hades, which, according to Hades' egotistic view, is an achievement of Hades, Papa Hades himself. So, uh, if you are confused, good, that means you're human. But (laughs) other than that, it's, uh, which is the thing that, once again, uh, a lot of problematic parents have it's the it's the very narcissistic idea of seeing your children or brothers and sisters parents as an extension of yourself and you might be confused with this because you love and uh, emotion can be very intense with such relationships but they're nevertheless very problematic yeah i think at least no no i'm not not a psychologist so (laughs) But that's that's my because uh, I've witnessed that in multiple, both in personal and non-personal scenarios. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, yeah. <laughs> Gonna leave it at that. Uh, the episode's already long enough, so yeah. I think we would do well. Yeah, no. <laughs> Since I... I'm going to be editing it, I'm just going to end it here. Yeah, no, that sounds good. <laughs> so... I, I don't think I have. I added kind of what I wanted. Uh, just like play the game if you haven't watch someone play it. Listen to the soundtrack. Um, oh Christ! Yeah, it's a so it's a nigh-on impeccable game. Yeah, I can't see how you would regret it. Yeah. Unless you're really, really bad at video games. But even then, it's interesting. Yeah. So, yeah. 
can wholeheartedly recommend it. Yeah, this this is a positive one for the list. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. Definitely. So if you made it all the way to the end, thank you so much for listening. Yeah, thanks for making uh, this far. <laughs> Frank is, has done a lot more podcasts than me, so apologies if I'm annoying throughout this podcast. <laughs> I will get better, don't worry. But uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's been great, and I'm looking forward to continuing doing this. Uh, once again, always open uh, to suggestions. Uh, Absolutely. Frank, would you like to plug uh, anything? <laughs> At the end, your socials or um, at the way people can get into contact with you. Well, probably uh, will. If you if you don't already uh, know me from the left page, I I, I do recommend that uh, it's uh, at a left page pod on Twitter or you know a uh, left page on Patreon, uh, where I have both open and public stuff on like the the bonus stuff that I do, and, and the show is free on leftpage.libsyn.com. Uh, Libsyn, L-I-B-S-Y-N uh, dot com. And it's uh, it's got all the episodes there and there's a lot of different stuff. And I've done a lot over the three and a half years by now. Wow. Um, but yeah, I, I'm excited to jump into, into something new and something familiar with Leon, who I've been chatting with for quite a while at this point. And really glad yes. to do this. this. This has been a blast. And I'm really excited for where we go next, what we chat next. And I am... Um, um, this is this has been excellent. I've really had a lot of fun. Uh, so uh, thank you, yeah. same. Th- th- thank you, Leon. Really, you're you're so welcome, and thank you as well. Um, if you want to hit me up for whatever reason, <laughs> you can do that at, at Laboring Leon on Twitter. Uh, I'm not very active, but I will get back to you if you for some reason want to say anything to me. Yeah, if you uh, want a quicker response, you can reach me, and I'll pass it along as well. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's even better. Maybe I don't know, but uh, other than that. <laughs> Please, if if you want to, uh, please consider supporting uh, the Left Page Patreon, which will also support this podcast, I think, up to a point. Um, whether this podcast is going to be a part of that Patreon, we think, as of now, we will get back to you later on that. Yes. Maybe. We will see. <laughs> but uh, other than that, please, cons- if if not for this podcast, the Left Page is fucking excellent, so you should, you should support that Patreon regardless. And uh, so, yeah, if you want to support it, this podcast for whatever reason please uh, consider the left page patreon uh that was everything i want to say and thank you so much for listening and hopefully see you soon see you soon thank you so much everyone goodbye bye